be continuing today the uh, the last portion of the study of the divine service or the last portion of the introduction because uh, that's really what this is we'll never uh, tire it out uh, it's kind of like the, the study of holy scripture you never exhaust it um, so maybe maybe this will kind of influence my thoughts even if you've studied the gospel of Matthew like five years ago Maybe that's something we can study again, right? Book of the Bible. Or have you studied Ecclesiastes before? Yes, yes. we did. We have yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. Matthew's good. Good Matthew for a while. Okay. You know Matthew's got 28 chapters though, right? So it does today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you know maybe uh, maybe for for the next year. You know, I actually starting in fall might be a possibility for that. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, the, the liturgy is inexhaustible, and uh, the study of the divine service is inexhaustible too. And it's it's uh, sounds like the name. Maybe not oddly enough, but contemporary. It applies to us today, right? And not just uh, as as it was for Christians years ago, but. The, uh, the Word of God always has a place. Now, uh, what we might struggle with is where that place is in our lives and, and how we might want to apply it, and perhaps that's not the way to look at it. Because I've, uh, I've heard any number of uh, people in the past say things like, well, you know, I want uh, the church service to apply to me. You know, or uh, maybe, maybe you've heard that with preference to the sermon. The sermon just doesn't seem to apply to me. I want it to be more practical and the like. Uh, but it's not, these things are not to be determined by us, but rather the Lord. So uh, when we, when we, if you recall, when we looked at the, the book of Ezekiel, and as you've studied the, the prophets uh, from the Old Testament in the past, they were sent to the people whom God sent them, whether or not the people wanted to hear them or, or else. Yeah. Right? So God sent Ezekiel this, you know, to to the people of Israel, even if they didn't listen, even if they didn't want to hear to His word or hear His word. Uh, God sent the prophet Ezekiel to them that they hear. Um, so even from the get-go, um, when we speak of the divine service, when we speak of Christian worship. First and foremost, it's not about uh, what we want to receive from God. It's what He deems to give. And what He deems to give is all the greater than what we expect. Right? He gives what? In, in the, you know, through, through the death of His Son, he, forgives, he, he gives forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Right? And in the divine service, these very gifts are given to us in a very tangible way. Through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, through the preaching, through absolution, and the like, and, and therefore these things we do not despise. And what we'll also find that hands-onness with reference to a, especially the last portion of of the liturgy as we introduce it. Last week we looked at the Benedicamus, if you remember, uh, which is Latin for "Bless we the Lord." Mm -hmm. This year. Okay, so we, we looked at a little bit at Psalm 103, also 104. Uh, we looked at Romans 12 also. 
And today we come to the benediction. So um, if you have your hymnals, of, I, I know there's some hymnals that are around. Um, feel free to share too. Um, I don't know, how many, do we have like about 10 hymnals here? There should be 11 hymnals here. There should be 11, okay. And I've still got three new ones, so I've got, I, there was a couple that I thought were okay, but I think okay. we can probably bring them back too. Yeah. Okay. So um, you know, you, you could also find like in in uh, in uh, TLH. Um, there's also I, I don't know if they have the Benedictimus, but they would have certainly the benediction. So there's one right here at the end of that table up there. Don't need that. Who needs it? Who needs an LSB? I was thinking, so we. Have I got one. Good, good one. Thank you. It's coming in a little bit. So, okay. So, page, page 202 is, is where we want to turn. Say that uh, again, please. Page 202, Divine Service Setting 3. And so, so the Benedictus, of course, bless me the Lord, and then the response is, thanks be to God. That's either spoken or, or chanted. Uh, generally chanted among, in, in many a congregation as well. Uh, but this, uh, bless me the Lord, uh, just to kind of do a recap, I mean, this has to do with everything else that has transpired in the service, all that God has done from the beginning. Um, not technically with the hymn. I know many congregations, this congregation uh, um, sings a hymn, um, really, it's 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 kind of almost like a prelude. It's it's before the service because the service technically starts with the invocation. You know, with with uh, uh, the invocatio, the, the invocation in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, reminding us of our baptism, of course, but also God beginning the service. You know, uh, not we. So then, uh, bless we the Lord encompasses, you know, blessing the Lord for all previously that was done and that will all um, that will continue to be done uh, by his gracious hand and then we, we say thanks be to God now the benediction this too is actually as the other portions as we looked at in the divine service is actually from the Bible um, which uh, which gives us an opportunity to look specifically again at those words where they are spoken and looking at the context in which they are given. So please turn to Numbers chapter 6. Now this is, of course, the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 6. And here, um, you know, what, what precedes these words are like, for example, in chapter 3, the duties of the Levites, uh, the duties of the Kohathites, uh, and, uh, and, and various instructions. And you might recall that uh, the Levites and uh, the, the three tribes, I guess, that were uh, involved with the tabernacle, um, there were groups that were, uh, there was a group for taking it down, a group for setting it up, and a group for carrying it, pretty much, and then also tending to it. It was only the, uh, the priests that were allowed in the Holy of Holies, the, the high priest, Holy of Holies, and the priest would be involved, of course, with the, the daily sacrifices. And they generally had two um, regular sacrifices um, each day, one in the morning, one in the evening. So the priests were involved with that. And uh, 
And then, you know, people brought in sacrifices throughout the day depending on the specific need that they had, right? So you had grain offering, you had sin offering, you had burnt offering, etc., etc. So all the priests were involved, or the priests were in some way involved with this. And, uh, you know, also caring for the candles, trimming the candles, you know. Um, we have, we have uh, you know, you might be aware of this, that, that we have something called the eternal candle. You know that that remains lit. It is an eternal thing. What's that? The eternal candle is an eternal. Well, no, because it's made of wax. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you got to put it back. Yeah. So you, you, I mean, that that has to be changed. So it needs to be tending to, or tended to, right? So I mean, this is something that yes. the Levites did also. You know, so. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it's kind of interesting because if we, when we talk about an altar guild, historically it was all men. Whereas today, I think it's generally perceived as mostly women that are involved with that. Um, but uh, but in the Old Testament, of course, we had the priesthood and we had um, you know those who had responsibilities for the tabernacle as as given by God. And the altar guild, some somewhat. Um, you know, of course, not only somewhat, but tends to the things that are used in the divine service, in, in the worship, in the sanctuary, and the like. So that would include candles, you know, the eternal candle, the eternal flame, as it's sometimes called, um, but also the altar candles and the pyramids and, uh, and, and things like that, too. So, but with uh, getting back to the benediction and, and numbers, uh, notice the uh, the introduction here. You can see a, a blessing from the Lord. Oh, that's a blessing from the Lord spoken by the pastor at the conclusion of a service. Uh, the Aaronic benediction is from number six, and the Apostolic benediction is from Second Corinthians thirteen. So we'll we'll be looking at both of those. But I, I'd like to start with the Old Testament first. Now the words. Of, of the, the benediction as we speak them, or as we adaptively uh, speak them, are from 24 to 26, but it's important to note also the preceding and the following verses as well. And this comes right after, uh, in, in chapter 6, just before verse 22, there's an entire section about the Nazarite vow as well. So, you know, the hair shouldn't be cut, no drinking of alcohol. Uh, no fermented drink and, and the like. And then we get to verse 22. Uh, Wayne Smith, could you read uh, verse 22 and then we'll kind of go around to verse 27. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his son saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the sons of Israel, and I myself will bless them. All right. So a, a number of things here, and I, I think this is very helpful because oftentimes, you know, of course when we hear the benediction, um, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you. I mean, those are profound words, but also within the context, notice how... Yahweh, the Lord, uh, says, this is how you will bless the people of Israel. 
you know. And we might think of this too in, in the sense of the the liturgy. Um, now usually we, we think of uh, liturgy in the sense of okay, you know, the, the structure of the service as we have it today, and that's for sure. That's that's true. Um, some might have the idea that that how worship was done in the Old Testament was kind of, okay, you pick and choose, you kind of do different things. Um, but I would suggest that it was probably very structured. You know, um, you know so, you know, one question that, that uh, one had asked uh, a while ago, a student of mine said, you know, why do we have, you know, the Psalms? You know, kind of thing, and and the Psalms, as you might be aware, was called the uh, the hymn book of the Old Testament. They would actually sing these. You know, and uh, and and every once in a while, we get a glimpse of this in the Old Testament that there's almost this kind of back and forthness between between the leaders or between the the, the priests, and then also the people, in terms of responding, and the like, and and that could be said to be somewhat of a liturgy, right? Um, I, I do want to be careful because you know some some will make the comment, for example, in making distinctions between quote I'll use the term traditional and contemporary. Some will say that contemporary services don't have a liturgy. That's false because they do. Again, it's it's you know and and, and perhaps uh, I, I know I've, I've I've thought this before. You know when someone does something that is totally wrong, and we might say they have no morality. Where they have no ethics, um, I would I would contend that they actually do. The question then becomes, what kind of morality? What kind of ethic? What is it based on? Right? I mean, so so in in the in the scheme of things, especially today, I, I think uh, you know we, we see I, I I think I think this is safe to say we see greater and greater polarity politically today. You know that that the chasm is growing ever larger. Okay, I might be wrong on this, but um, th this is kind of what I observe, that there's a growing chasm, the valley is widening and deepening, um, and one of, the, uh, one of the, uh, the observations, too, is not so much that they're speaking about different things, I mean, they are, but they're coming from different foundations, so they're using words, they might be using the same words, but in very different ways. And I, I think, you know, it, it, it's, have you ever tried talking with someone and then you, they were talking, you were talking, but you didn't, you, you, it's kind of like you went past each other. Yeah, we're in violent agreement. Yeah, so, and, and why is that? Because it's not so much because we're, we're using different words, but we're using the words differently. And we're using that from a different background. So, I, and I, I think this is extremely helpful or it can be, especially with reference to worship, because Lutherans uh, have a particular view of Christian worship. And it starts not with us, but with God to us. If you're speaking with someone from a non-Lutheran background, they will see it very differently. That's what they're doing. Right. So, and that's, that's, the, or, or, you know, that, that's the origin, that's the, the kind of the foundation, the starting point, is from you to God. And the same way with, uh, with, with communion practice, too. You know, um, you know, and understanding and appreciating that because I, I think uh, the Lutherans, we can safely say, generally speaking, the Lutherans and the Catholics, maybe a few others, um, you know, do practice, you know, some semblance of closed communion. 
But if you walk outside um, of, uh, or if you if you leave more or less the, the liturgical kind, kinds of services or church bodies, um, generally you will find, you know, a, a open communion openly practiced without question. So if you have someone, for example, from that background, a Methodist, ELCA, um, others who come in and they don't know that practice because they've been catechized, you know, and that's another word too. Um, we use the term catechize or confirmation to mean, you know, teaching the faith, you know, teaching what the Bible teaches. Um, but there's different forms of catechizing too. You know, there's different forms of teaching, right? So, you know, today in our educational system, and, and this is just an illustration, another one, but, you know, education today I think means something very different than it, what it meant years ago. Education today, and I, I think we're, we're finding this education in the government, education, et cetera, et cetera, is not so much about teaching the, you know, the basics of, you know, was it reading, reading writing, writing or arithmetic. arithmetic? You know, it, it's it's education in the form of indoctrination, right? And and that that seems to be a growing phenomenon. I mean, I, I hear I'm hearing more about more and more about that from coast to coast. You know, uh, we might think the bigger cities, but also the smaller cities too, are being um, greatly influenced uh, by the powers that be. You know, about what's important. You know, it, it, it almost kind of, you know, another uh, another analogy or, or similarity, it seems to me, is, you know, what is the difference between a need and a want? I mean, this is very fundamental. Um, but in today's world, you know, like, where was it? I, yeah, just the other day, <clears throat> I talked with someone and they didn't have a cell phone. And I jokingly said, well, how, how do you get by without a cell phone? Very well. And I'm thinking, well, it's probably very much a, a lot quieter when you're driving and, you know, when you're that out was, and about. And that life. was maybe my husband. That Actually, it wasn't, have, but... It doesn't have a cell phone, yeah. and he manages to get by. We use he, my cell he phone. He uses yours, right? He does. But I won't let him take it on trips, because it's my phone. I'm staying out of that one. But yeah, you know, today, you know, like, you know, what would we call a want? You know, how would we distinguish that from a need? And I, I think, you know, there, there's, you know, what is needed, you know, what one person determines to be a need, another person will determine to be a want. Mm -hmm. Well, but if you're talking about the cell phone, a need for a cell phone would be when you're going on a long distance trip so that should something happen, you can communicate. A want would be just to have a cell phone. Right. Not the same. Well, and I use mine for a lot of other things. I set the timer all the time, like when I'm subbing, I'll say, setting my timer, and when it goes off, we're doing such and such. And, <laughs> right. yeah. and yeah. then I can talk to my daughter overseas, yeah. and it doesn't cost anything mm -hmm. through the cell phone. Right. Yeah. The yeah, web, yeah, the internet is a, is a wonderful tool. Yeah, it, it can be. Oh, yeah. It can be a wonderful tool. But you know, even as you say that, I'm thinking, okay, what about a hundred years ago when there were no cell phones? How did people get by? There were no right. other phones either. They wrote amazing letters. Yeah. If you look at some of the letters from mm -hmm. back then, I mean, their yeah. writing skills were phenomenal. And their handwriting was beautiful. Their handwriting was beautiful. I can hardly read my own handwriting. Yeah, and, and their know. English was probably good or right. 
It was much better. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, and, and each generation probably has like different view of need and want. But if, if, if one person is saying, well, I need, like, I don't know if you've heard this from, from, from younger people, I need this. Mm. It's like, well, no, you want that. <laughs> you know, um, I really need this for Christmas. But you can actually live without it because you haven't had it. In my business, when I work, I need a cell phone. Because I'll be on the road and have a blowout or, or something wrong with the engine. Or, and I need a way to, to call and say, help, send somebody. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, and, and maybe there's some areas, too, in terms of need, like going towards want and want mm -hmm. going towards need, too. That doesn't mean... But I leave it at home when I go around town on my own because it has so much other stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and with with reference to uh, definitions, I guess is what I'm kind of getting at, that they change over time, and it's, it's helping to know, know how one is using a term. So, um, so and, you know, one of the one of the themes I, I think that I've, I've tried to present, at least to some degree, is the fact that words have meaning. You know, and when, we, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to worship, you know, I, again, the adjective Christian in front of worship identifies it as not pagan, not heathen, not, um, not non-Christian or unchristian, uh, not worldly, by the way, too. And, and that's why I, I think we can see a great deal of inconsistency. You know, um, you know, between uh, what is of the church and what is not of the church, but what is called Christian. You know, and that's kind of broadening the, you know, the, the scope here. But but with reference to Aaron's the Aaronic blessing, Aaron's blessing in Numbers, this was to be upon specific people. You know, and uh, you know another way of saying this too is. You know, with, with reference to absolution, the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of sins is not for unrepentant sinners. Right? So as we confess our sins to God, um, you know, we, we expect that He will forgive us not because of us, but because of and on the basis of His Word, of His promise to forgive sins. Right? If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us. But if someone does not confess their sins, they should not expect forgiveness either. Um, but but sometimes it is that that kind of you know becomes a little conflated, a little bit. Um, so uh, you know, and, and in the divine service Christian worship, um, we we should not be surprised if someone who is not Lutheran who comes to our divine services doesn't get it right. Or has challenges, and that's where you know. And I, I, I've seen this here, and I've seen it in other places too. And it just warms my heart. Um, you know, it's emotional, right? Sentimental kind of thing. But but it really is encouraging when you see members helping others who don't know what they're doing to kind of be able to follow along, right? Um, and, and and it's the most beautiful thing because there there is teaching going on there. You know and. Uh, I encourage you, as you're able to, and as your as your eyes are open to that, you know, uh, to be aware, you know, of, uh, of guests and visitors or someone who, you know, maybe maybe they have been Lutheran, but maybe because they they do things differently in their in their home church, or you know, uh, they're just unfamiliar, 
you know, helping them as one is able, you know, to, to follow along with the service. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, another, uh, another aspect of this too is, is, is uh, you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, using an illustration perhaps, you know, of, of, of the child, like the three or four year old child that is learning the Lord's Prayer, that doesn't mean they know and understand everything about the Lord's Prayer. Um, but you got to start somewhere, right? Or the, you know, the, the creed. You know, begin teaching, you know, and, and hopefully in time, by God's grace, that understanding will come uh, and deepen. So, I mean, you can't, you know, I, I don't know much about math, but I do know that you have to start kind of at the basics, right? And I, and I remember when, when, especially with Enosh, um, I, I think... He was probably in, I want to say, third or fourth grade-ish, around there, um, when they started changing the, the math a little bit. You might recall that, right? From years ago, they would, they, you know, it used to be kind of like, you know, you learn the timetables and everything else, and then they had this new math, you know, which, you know, I, I didn't really get into it, but I, I know it was a challenge. And uh, from my understanding, too, you know, kind of math, as many, as well as many other, uh, you know, areas, they kind of build on what you learned before. And if you don't learn, you know, the foundation, then you're really not going to excel later on. And uh, and, and, and I, I know there was some contention concerning, uh, you know, where we will find ourselves. In fact, where we're finding ourselves now, academically, with the world. Um, and it is, and it is, and it is an issue. Uh, the, the the point being, though, you have to kind of teach the foundation, and that's what you build on. If the foundation is off, you know, as we learned, like in Matthew seven, for example, remember Matthew seven. That's uh, kind of towards the end, towards the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, where uh, Jesus says, you know, he who hears my word and does it is like the man who built his house on the rock. In contrast to the one who built his house on the sand, and the same thing happened to them in terms of the wind and the water and the rain and the like, but only the house that was built on the rock withstood, you know, the pressures against it. Whereas the house that was on the sand, it fell and great was its fall. Yeah. You know, so so building on on the right foundation, and and so. You know, when, when we speak of Christianity, and, and this is another pet peeve of mine, um, I, I should keep a, a, a tally, a list of all my pet peeves. Uh, you might actually be doing that um, for me, thank you. But uh, but another pet peeve of mine is just to call something Christian when it's really not Christian. And, uh, you know, that that's what greatly concerns me about, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to get the name wrong, but I want to say faith Christian. Uh, yeah, faith Christian family church. Family church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, you know, every once in a while I'll drive by it in Portales. You know, the, the I guess it's the daughter congregation. Yeah. Faith and, Christian uh, number two. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I just kind of, I, I, I often, you know, lament when I go by, you know, and, and wonder, okay, what will they be teaching in there? Calvinism for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Which they, they teach uh, whatever that is, that prosperity, prosperity gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Calvinism mean, still has a semblance of Christianity, mm -hmm. right? But prosperity gospel 
you know, it, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, even though they might use biblical terms and biblical accounts, um, it, it's way off. Well, I can name stuff that's a whole lot more common that people think is Christian and isn't. And the first one is good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. And the second is when good people die, they become angels. Yep. Each time the bell rings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Each time the bell rings, we have another Christmas, right? There you go. But yeah, those are statements, and, and many, I guess, non-Christians, well, many Christians, too, would believe that's in the Bible. Or, you know, the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. I think that's in Ecclesiastes 15, right? Hezekiah 32. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obadiah 5, or, you know, it's just... You see, that business of God helps those that help themselves really bothers me because I think, you know, able-bodied people should help to work to provide for themselves and all that. But you have a lot of severely handicapped people in the world, and to say that to them mm. is just an offense, and I think that's very much non-Christian. I mean, we should help the, those who cannot help themselves. And there are people from birth who will never be able to support themselves. But, but that, that statement for only handicapped relationships. Well, that's a different thing. But, yeah, but that's even that is, is, I think it's difficult to say that that's issue of Christianity, that laziness, I, I don't know. But I do know that we are called to help those who cannot help themselves. And to just throw it out like there, it's like you're, you're just condemning all these other people to just go languish and die. That is really terrible. Well, and, and I, I would say, you know, just, I mean, hearing that phrase and even reflecting on it briefly, where does it start? Yeah. It starts not with God doing, but with you. With you, exactly. You know, and, and you know, certainly I, I think of the child, you know, the, the baby, what, what, what does the baby do other than be cute? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, can it do anything for itself? No. It, it can cry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, yeah, um, but but it needs taken care of, you know. And, and yet, the Bible teaches that uh, that all life is precious. So even from you know from the very get go, from the very beginning to the very end too. And and it, it, it amazes me, you know, um, that somehow we think that we are independent. And I think that's a great deception, especially you know not only from middle age but just before and, and after. Um, you know, how dependent is a child on its parents or on a caregiver? But we can say the same thing, how dependent is maybe a mom or dad, you know, on us, you know, in, in various ways, right? Um, and and I, I remember, um, you know, just kind of a personal example, my, uh, my, my dad's mom uh, was at the stage that she could not take care of herself. She lived in Jersey, in New Jersey, uh, my dad is my both. Both my parents are from Philadelphia, and uh, you know my my uh, my grandmother, my my dad's mom was not. You know her husband died, um, and she got to the point that she wasn't able to care for herself. So he, you know, so so they moved her down to uh, Missouri to live with them. 
but it got to the point that they couldn't they couldn't manage you know anymore so you know they uh, and, and it's it, it's very difficult I, I think um, you know for many to say you know um, you know we, we, we just need help you know and, and so uh, they they had her mom place or they had uh, his mom uh, my grandmother placed in a nursing home but it was in town and he was able to visit like every day I mean that, that amazed me and he was also her pastor too so you know there's a double benefit but he would he would commune her and he would visit with her and the like um, but she couldn't take care of herself you know and, and she was very dependent you know and one, one of the things that I learned too and, and with my uh, especially with my mom's mom my, my uh, we would call her mom mom uh, she was in a nursing home, but they need a lot of attention. I don't mean um, the patients, the residents there, but also the workers. Mm -hmm. you, you need to kind of keep on them, apparently, if you want your loved one taken care of properly. Um, but uh, but but the the point is the dependency, and and we lose sight of that. You know, if we're if we're able to get around, you know, we have the cell phone, we have the car, we have uh, arms and legs and and eyes and vision and, and you know we, we take so much for granted but we're still dependent on the Lord God who gives all these things to us um, and in the divine service too in, in, in Christian worship again it's not dependent on us you know with reference to phrase, that phrase God helps those who help themselves well that means you have to help yourself first before God can help you uh, but that's not what the scripture teaches God loves those who are unlovable Mm -hmm. who don't deserve you know God has mercy and grace upon us who don't deserve that grace and mercy um, you know I mean think about this if we actually deserved it then why would we need it um, you know because maybe and, and some some perhaps would teach this but uh, you know we, we have the say um, they, they will they, they might not come out and say that but they will kind of show by what they do how they live and stuff um, that this is the case but but again what does the scripture teach with reference to the service uh, notice uh, who is doing the acting here you know who is I, I guess doing the verb in verse 22 speak to Aaron and his sons verse 23 saying thus you will bless or you shall bless the people of Israel this is God instructing Aaron and his sons to bless the people. This is how you're going to do it. Um, but but notice, but notice if I use the term chain of command, who's doing what? The priest is blessing, but who's actually doing the blessing? God through the priest, right? Um, sounds a lot similar to, uh, um, or at least there's there's parallel I think to uh, to what the pastor speaks concerning the absolution. Um, we, we have this, uh, um, and I, I want to draw your attention to it, um, you know, and, and it's, it's quite profound, and we've used it here before, uh, if I can find it. Yeah, the, the corporate confession and absolution, and then also the individual. Mm -hmm. So we're on page 290, actually 291. And I, I think we use this on Ash Wednesday, uh, which is a which is a beautiful rite, corporate confession and absolution. Um, 
So on page 291 in the middle, you have the confession of sins that's you know, pretty much derived from Divine Service 3, uh, the TLH, as we have it, page 15. But notice the, uh, okay, so the pastor says underneath the confession, God be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Notice that question just beneath that, after mm -hmm. the amen. Do you believe that the forgiveness I speak is not my forgiveness, but God's? In other words, the pastor is forgiving, uh, but it's not really him that's forgiving. It's God himself, right? And then notice also the word specifically here. It, it's, it's kind of identified very clearly where the pastor says, in this dead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. He's not there on his own merit. He's not declaring, he's not forgiving your sins based on him at all. And uh, I, I just was reminded about this uh, not too long ago, but there was actually a... Um, you know, a, uh, a time in the early church where there was a great consternation about um, the uh, the right of a priest, you know, to do what he did, um, dependent on whether or not he was a good Christian. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, I'm gonna try to keep my place there, uh, but but uh, it had to do with something called Donatism. What is that, right? Um, but this was a time in the church here. There were there were there were uh, there there was great persecution. There was persecution in the church, and there were those uh, there, there were those clergy members and Christians that kind of gave in, that compromised, and they wanted back into the church. And then the church kind of gathered together. What are we going to do with these people? Because they did not they were not faithful, and some of them were clergy, and uh, there there came a controversy. Um, thankfully, it was solved, um, but there was a controversy. Those who compromised the faith, they, um, if they baptize, if they commune, if they uh, forgive sins, what they do is not valid because they compromise the faith. Um, so, uh, what what the church you know, the church responded, um, you know, essentially by saying orthodoxy, um, orthodoxically, they responded by saying it's. You know, the, the office of the pastor is not dependent on the pastor. It's dependent on the word. So, I mean, you could, and, and this is our confidence too, when, um, and I, I, know, I, I know there are struggles when you see a pastor, um, you know, kind of doing things, saying things, living in a way that is contrary to the Christian faith. And it can cause a, a great deal of consternation. You know, is is his baptism valid? Is the sacrament that he is, you know, the distributing, is it valid? Um, one thing to remember, of course, is it's not based on the man. It's founded on the office through the word, right? Um, so, so even if you have, uh, you know, and and this comes up every now and then, right? That there are, you know, some uh, quirks. In your pastor? No. Surely. No. You know, yeah. Did you say Shirley? Surely. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, there are people too, and it's a little secret. Uh, there are people too. Uh, but even as, as God forgives you your sins, uh, so also we pray that God helps us to forgive others their sins as well. You know, I, I was kind of commenting to, to someone the other day about how, uh, 
you know, so often, um, you know, when, when there's a conflict in a relationship, say, between husband and wife, it's kind of the little things that add up. Um, but, you know, if, if, they, if they put on the toilet paper the wrong way, that's not reason to get kind of in a frenzy, right? <laughs> Um, but you, you, you learn, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think over time you learn to kind of overlook the little things. No, you just change it. Oh, okay. Well, okay, you just blew my thought. Uh, because <laughs> um, I was going to say overlook in the sense of forgive. You know, is this, is this a major thing to fight about? No, and I think you have to decide that that's what you're going to choose. Yeah. To not make a big deal about the yeah. things that happen. Yeah, and, and you learn, okay, before you say something, uh, Frank, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say anything. You know, I mean, to, to speak about forgiveness, you know, forgiveness covers not only the little things, but also the bigger things, mm -hmm. too. You know, and, and, and of course, in the midst of all this is to reflect on and, uh, and to, to have in the forefront God's forgiveness of our sins. Uh, which, actually, if you think about it, our sins against God are so much greater than another person's sins against us. Even though we might feel like it's huge. Um, you know what, but what does God do? He sends His Son. He sent His Son to die on the cross to save us from our sins and through Him we have forgiveness. So after, okay, Him first and then... I don't know which way to look. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of times pastors are treated unfairly by uh, probably all kinds of people, but I, I know that one of the pastors that Sylvia used to have in her church wouldn't go to movies because he felt that if he went to a Disney movie or whatever, that other people might see that and think it was okay to go to some X-rated thing. And, you know, that's a bunch of people. Um, uh, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't offended, but I was surprised because I was standing in line at the grocery store and the pastor we had came up with a six-pack of beer. That was all he was buying. And, you know, that's, I was kind of surprised, but they're just people. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They, but and they, they like beer too, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not over. No, I, I would say, you know, just in, in terms of responding to the, the pastor who wouldn't go to the movie theater, I mean, that's his prerogative. You know, now if he started saying to his people, you should not go to the movie theater, you know, okay, that's, that's you know, a, a different, you know, um, but, but each, well, I mean, each Christian is going to, to live differently. You know, and, uh, and, and, and perhaps practice different things and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and and we, in the, we in the church, you know, have said, and, and this is kind of historical too, that, you know, if, if God has not commanded or forbidden, then there's freedom. But with that freedom, of course, you know, from Spider-Man comes responsibility. You know, um, the first Spider-Man movie. Yep. I don't know. Some of you might remember that. But, uh, <laughs> but with, with great... Uh, yeah, with freedom comes responsibility. But but my point is, um, even though we are free for various things uh, where God is not commanded nor forbidden, um, top priority is love. You know, because we you know in our freedom we don't want to do something that you know offends someone else. 
or injures their faith or scandalizes them, you know, and, and the like. So we want to be careful. So if someone is fasting, for example, for Lent, or at any other time, um, okay, they do that in their Christian freedom, but the moment they say, okay, you have to do it too, for X, Y, and Z, then we have a problem. You know, and then our confessions kind of draw attention to that too. Okay, Pastor Blasey? Um, it's kind of revisiting an earlier part of the liturgy, but I guess that's okay, and that's the words of the pastor before he pronounces absolution. Mm -hmm. And in our liturgy it says, I by virtue of my office, mm -hmm. yeah. called and ordained yeah. serve. Yeah. It's not by virtue of me being such a really neat guy. Yeah. It's by virtue of the office. But also, he does say, I forgive you, you know, in the stead and by the command, in the stead and by the command. Those are very powerful, important words, every, every phrase in that statement. But it's kind of like you ask yourself when Nathan went to David and confronted him with his sins, that Nathan said, um, you will not die. He pronounced absolution. Doesn't Nathan also forgive the king? on a personal level, that this sin that God has removed from you through the words of absolution, I'm not going to hold it over you either. I'm going to still be your pastor. Yeah. And so there is a kind of a... It, it is instead by the command as an ambassador for Christ to pronounce the words of absolution, but it's also, I think, on a personal level where the pastor's saying, I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you in Christ. We're all one in Christ. And I, I don't think we should lose that. But, you know, the eye has a place in there, too. I forgive you. Yeah, that's cool. The, the, the sin, the, the sin of uh, David um, did not exclude Nathan from his responsibilities of office towards David. No, that was his call. That's what right. he had. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, even, even then, of course, it's not dependent, you know, on either person. No. You know, and, and actually, this is Second uh, Samuel chapter 12. Nathan... Mm -hmm. Uh, specifically says, um, after after David said, I have sinned against the Lord, Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. Yeah. You know, but he, yeah, he continued to minister right. you know, uh, to him. And that's a, that's a continual thing. Now, um, you know, and, and we see that, you know, perhaps with others too, I, I think even with, uh, with Paul, you know, with Paul and Peter, mm -hmm. you know, that account too, you know, uh, because Peter was uh, not being consistent with the gospel. I mean, the pastor can't look down his nose at a person after they make a private confession. So they're like, "Whoa, you did that!" Right. Yeah. You know. In other yeah. words, we forgive, and with the help of the Lord, we also kind of forget too. Mm -hmm. If the Lord can forget, but as far as east and the west, then, then we, yeah. you know, in that position of pronouncing absolution, need to also personally. Let go and not hold it over the person. Right. At the same time, you know, at the same time, and this is also part of it too. I, I think love, you know, would, would call one to to, uh, to also not limit the forgiveness, of course, um, but to help the individual stay away from temptation. Too, sure. Right. I mean, so it, it's you know, forgiveness does not mean okay, keep doing whatever you're doing because you're forgiven. You know, kind of thing. Um, I, I think mention of this was made uh, just recently in terms of like the, the abusive relationship 
We have okay. There, there indeed may be love, you know, on both, on, you know, from from both uh, from both sides. But love does not mean okay. Keep doing whatever you want. You know, say you're sorry. I forgive you. You know, and and so on and so forth. No, but what does love demand? You know, so love is going to demonstrate itself in different ways depending on the relationship and and what is called for. Um, so I mean, sometimes of course, love is going to to mean that there are parameters, that there are boundaries, that no, you can't do that. You know, at the same time, um, love also, you know, gives freedom too, you know, depending on the circumstances. All right, so any other comments before we break? Okay. Did you have one, Wayne? Okay. All right. Um, if you're still on, uh, if you're still on page 291, please turn to page 292. There's a, a there's a right of individual confession absolution, um, and at the very top of page 293, you have kind of a similar question. Do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? You know, and and what was uh, being referenced uh, before by Pastor Blazek, I think, is probably John 20, right? And Matthew 16, of course, but especially Matthew or John 20, where Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Whatever sins or whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven on earth as in heaven. You know, whatever sins you retain are retained. Um, but but these words, you know, have significance. So if, if it, you know, and I've had conversations before about this, but um, uh, you know, certainly th this is uh, you know a benefit for us because if someone asks us, you know, let's say we have a family member who's not Lutheran comes in or a friend. From a different tradition, they say, "Well, how can the pastor forgive sins?" Uh, direct them to the words that he actually says. Mm -hmm. Look at the words and then ask him, "What does the what 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 does the pastor say?" Not to mention the Lord's prayer. Yeah, it's right there in the middle of the Lord's prayer. We're called to forgive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, been forgiven. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's interesting. After this question. And the person says yes. The next line says, "Let it be done for you as you believe." Yeah. And it, it it's interesting. The person's going to say yes, no matter what they're really thinking. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let it be done for you as yeah. you believe, whether yes or no. Right. And and that's you know if, if someone says, for example, well, "I'm forgiven. I can go out and keep sinning." No. Um, you know. Is that uh, is that does that demonstrate faithfulness? No. Well, what I was what I'm trying to get to is yeah. if a person is just playing church mm -hmm. and they know all the right words, right. whether they believe it or not, yeah, this is a big load to put back on your shoulders. Well, and 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 also it, it, it indicates that you know the forgiveness of sins is given, but it's not beneficial. Apart from faith, right, right. So, so here we make a distinction between the validity of the words and the blessing mm -hmm. given of the words. So, um, 